listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our reading today is from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. It's on page 788 in the Pew Bibles and also on the screens. Do not judge so that you may not be judged, for the judgment you give will be the judgment you get, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye. You hypocrites, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. The word of the God, word of God for, the for the people, people of God. God. Thank you so much, Julie. I appreciate you in ways you don't understand. Because <laughs> we all make mistakes, right? Happy August. Um, Pastor Dan will be back in the pulpit starting in September. So we've got four more weeks to finish the Sermon on the Mount. And it doesn't feel like I'm going to be able to get through it because there's so much good stuff here. Also, if you noticed, I forgot to change what Julie read to plank, but we're going to keep calling it a plank from here on out because for me, I've always visualized it as a plank because that's how the NIV translates that word. Um, so hence, what plank. I also couldn't handle myself with this art. Um, Searching for images for this verse was really fun. Some of them were rather explicitly odd. Some of them were very confusing why they would even connect it. And then there was this one. So I'm just going to have it up here a few times for us throughout this morning. How many of us have heard these verses? Yeah, almost all of us. Uh, there are so many times that I return to these verses to remind myself um, when I really need to refocus on my own self before I start passing judgment on others. Before we jump in, though, I'm going to start us with some more prayer. Lord God of heaven and earth, thank you for this time together. I pray that you open our hearts, open our minds, and that you would move me aside, Lord, that your message is heard. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. So we hear the phrases, don't judge or you'll be judged or mind your own business, or live and let live all the time. But sometimes we miss out in that statement what Jesus is really calling us to. We are going to reread the first two verses. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For the judgment you give 
will be the judgment you get, and the measure you give will be the measure you get. So what does the word judge here mean fully? You would think that this would help us understand this passage more clearly, but it really doesn't. Um, The Greek word for judge here is krino, Uh, And unfortunately, it has many connotations, uh, including moral discernment, uh, governmental direction, lawsuits, also final thoughts by God to humanity. As I have kids in here, moral discernment just means knowing right from wrong. So this is pretty all-encompassing in this word. It covers every which way that we could judge on another person. And I'm sure that Jesus doesn't want us to use every definition within these sentences. And this is where it gets really tricky to read in English what was not spoken in English. To read in English in our culture and in our context when it was not written for our culture and in our context. Because we know that Jesus also used his authority to judge others around him. And he also made sure that we know right from wrong that his disciples could discern God's ways from the ways of the world. So within the term, this common thread we find is that something here is prohibited for followers. And the thing that I think makes the most sense when we look at the variations is that Jesus is informing his disciples to not place themselves into his position, to not place themselves into the posture of God. Maybe Jesus is saying that we can know that something is wrong and something is good, but we must not actually go to the next level and condemn somebody else for their actions. As we've been talking through the Sermon on the Mount, we find Jesus' wisdom drips with love and grace, reconciliation, and the proper ordering of our lives. The natural outflow of this is that we must allow others to be on their paths as well, loving others enough while keeping our eyes and our own discernment to ourselves, for the most part. Now, this doesn't mean we throw out our morals, and it doesn't, and, and we never decide between what is right and wrong, but it does mean that we never assume that we are playing God's part in condemning others based on what we understand to be right and wrong. When we put ourselves in the place of God, the judgment that we are using against others will turn on us as we have removed God from their throne and placed ourselves there instead. So, I propose that these verses actually say there will be no God coups. There will be no God coups. And then we have these next verses to expand on this. Verse 3. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the plank is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, 
take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. I I think I've said this like half of the weeks. I love Jesus's hyperbolic language through the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, really in all of, all of his teachings. I love the visual that this, these sentences create in me. At this stage in the game and years of ministry and helping people, I have pulled this picture up in my mind so many times. When people share things with me that I'm not quite ready for, um, I have to control my face. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I, uh, I don't exactly have a good game face. I wear all of my emotions right here to the world all the time. Gary really tried to get me to play poker a few times. I, I am not a good poker player. The first time I played, oh my goodness, every time I had a good hand, I'm like, That is not helpful if you're trying to win money. Um, So then, this most recent time, I don't know, four years ago, I actually got down to the last three people because I decided I was going to look excited with every single hand because that was easier for me to do. Um, When I took down all my barriers between myself and the world, down went my facial control. And it has gotten me into some really fun and really tricky situations. And I have had interesting questions asked of me. But these verses help me to recenter myself on loving others well by helping me see that I need to continue to love myself well in this process. I want you to think about what it would look like if you were the person on the left. Let's see. Oh, I don't have the picture up. So the person with the speck. And now you've got somebody coming at you with a plank in their face. Think about what that would look like, too. Um, So we're going to pause here. I've actually invited Gary um, up here to help me with a little demonstration. I really want this to sink in for all of us because I know now raising children that not everybody gets these crazy visual pictures that just get stuck in their heads. Um, The people that we often find that this would, uh, you can come on up, it's all right. Don't be scared. Um, The person that we usually have this problem with are the people who we have closest to us. Our spouses, our kids, our friends, the people we work with, Um, those whom we choose to have overlapping, deep life connections with. Because we really want to be helpful when we're telling them that there's a speck in their eyes. We really want to help other people's lives look better and be better. But when I have my stuff here, can I see him clearly? No, I can't. And now when I go to tell him, hey, by the way, you got something. You got something in your face. <laughs> but here, you also have your stuff. And now we're trying to communicate. And now we're trying to, to help each other, right? Yeah, like this doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> Not at all. 
and now he can't see me and I can barely see him, this gets in the way. So what Jesus is telling us is that we really need to do this. We need to stand alongside each other. We need to help each other in a way that our stuff isn't getting in the way. God wants to be part of this, and we invite him next to us to help us work on our stuff. This is what God is asking for us to do. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, oh, put it right here. God wants us to support and walk alongside each other and not tear each other down, not pointing our fingers at other people's stuff. And our last verses for clarity and for understanding, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. What? That's clear, right? I had to consult so many sources to really understand what Jesus is saying here. While we are on the paths of life, while we are walking with Jesus and walking alongside one another, while we're trying to live the way that he is calling us to live, following so closely that eventually our words and our lives start to emulate Jesus and the love that he had for others, we kind of need to be careful. We may have found holiness possibly in ways that other people have not found it yet. We have found pearls of wisdom that may be true for us where we are in our journey that might not be true for others quite yet. Their experiences are different. I believe that here Jesus is telling us to guard ourselves and our hearts in a way that we will be protected. I know I've used this example before and I'll use it again because social media is such a strong part of our lives. But I don't know about you, I have yet to win a social media war. Um, so often that's an easy place for people to go to say, hey, look at your spec. And then they, you know, blow up. And what's the purpose of us even trying to have a dialogue in those situations? In the end, we either are so bothered that we're angry and we're bitter and we've riled ourselves all up, or we puff ourselves up because I know I'm right and they're wrong, or our ego could burst because of that, or we've had a genuine friend lost because of an online dialogue. And for those who are close to, closest to us and we can't avoid these conversations, we can make the choice to remain quiet. We can make the choice to remove ourselves from situations when the conversation becomes too heated. When people are in a place of passion about a topic, sometimes that means 
if we have a different understanding and a different wisdom, we step out to preserve what is holy within ourselves. And again, with that hyperbolic language, Jesus wants us to protect ourselves in these times so that we do not get further hurt and we do not further hurt others because we are not loving each other well if we continue on in a disagreement that will not end. And now that you've seen how our stuff really gets in the way, we can't really understand each other anyway fully. We can't see their side. We can see our side. Our stuff gets in the way. And remember from a few weeks back, our eyes are also that, that uh, shoot, this is not written down, and now I'm going to have word recall problems. Um, our eyes stand for something about power. And if we are continuing to hold our stuff up in front of us, we can't have that power. We are not to assume that role in somebody else's life. So let's talk about why this plank matters, why God is asking for us to work on it. We ourselves cannot live up to our own standards anyhow, can we? Why would we think that we can help others live up to our standards? I have never felt so connected to Paul until he shares in Romans 7, This is a long one, but it's so important. I'm going to read this from the message version. For I know the law, but I still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly It's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands. But it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God. The answer is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life 
of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and all my mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Anybody else relate with that? Sure, we can help other people on their journeys, but man, this is the journey I hang out in. I want to live 100% of what I preach at all times, but I can't. I want to reach toward God in powerful and magnificent and amazing ways. I want to impact our community, but there are times at which I can't. I am so grateful for Jesus, who can. So that plank, this, this is what we're talking about. We can't ignore the plank that resides within our lives. We cannot let go of all the stuff that we carry. You know that luggage we had a couple weeks ago? We can't put it all down. We can try. We can keep going to Jesus with it, but we can't put it all down. That worry that we talked about, we can keep trying to continue to bring it and put it at the foot of the cross. But sometimes we pick that right back up. And we're, we're not alone. We're not alone in this. Sometimes we will actually make some progress, and that's exciting. God can do miracles. God can absolutely change our lives when we show up and allow him to change us, which is amazing. And our plank can get smaller, but what I can say is if I was to have sanding paper, oh wait, I do. I can take sanding paper, and I can try. I can try to get rid of stuff, but guess what? There's still more wood. There's still more for us to work on. It's not something that's just going to go away in a day, in a night, in a moment. We can give it to God all we want until we let God be the one to use the sandpaper, until we are willing to stand alongside others who are walking through hard stuff. It's going to stay. It's going to stay right where it is. This is a never-ending cycle in our lives. This is going to keep going. I get to sit with people who are five years old and 90 years old. We always have stuff. There's always something that we can work on. And if we don't, that's where the problem lies. When we think we have got it all together, when we think we are holy, we have reached righteousness, we have arrived, that's where the biggest error is going to occur. That's what God is saying to us. There are no God coups. We cannot lose sight of what God is asking us to take care of. 
We cannot usurp God's role in our own lives, and we really cannot take his role in other people's lives. That is not our job. We cannot take the seat of glory and honor away from where we need God to live in our lives. We need to hand that sandpaper over and we need to be willing to let him do the work. Does that mean that we let alone injustice? Of course not. Does this mean we don't speak up against the systems and the powers that are keeping the marginalized down? Of course not. That is what God is asking of us, to seek justice and to love mercy. We are to seek justice for the big stuff and extend mercy for those who might not see the injustice. We are to peacefully dismantle the systems while loving those who may have had a part in creating them or who may have had a part in keeping them intact. We are to love our enemies. Now, of course, this is not an easy balancing act to find. This is not something that you will wake up tomorrow and just be good at, but this is why we come together. This is why we have church in the first place. This is the place to have hard conversations. This is the place not to point a finger at somebody and say, hey, you need to work on that. This is the place to say, hey, this is where I am on my journey. Here's what I've learned. Maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's something that interests you. We have just desserts. I'm sure we'll have another book study coming up in the fall. But for right now, I really want all of us to start identifying our planks. Find out what it is that you are being asked to work on with God. Take the time in prayer Ask God to reveal to you where you've taken his role in your thoughts, maybe, against others, in your actions against those whom you do not align with, in your words used against family members or friends. Take time with God. Allow God to speak into your life revealing to you the ways in which God wants to come alongside you and to help you grow, to help your plank get smaller. And I have one more promise. You're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. You're never going to get to this place of perfect arrival You're never going to get to a point where you don't have stuff that gets in between you and somebody else. But if we're open to it, God will continue to reveal truth into your lives, into your hearts, helping you to see what grace and what love truly looks like. I've had a lot of positive response to having music play for a few moments after the sermon. And so I'm going to do that again for us today. In this time, just sit. Sit with this question. What plank? 
Allow God to speak to you in some way before we come to the table of communion together. I will give us a few moments. I will start us with prayer. God of heaven and earth, come here now. We pray your voice is heard above the chaos that can sometimes take residence within our souls and within our minds and within our lives, Lord. We pray that you help reveal to us our planks. Reveal to us what it is that you want to help sand down. And Lord, through this process, I just ask that you help us feel your grace and your mercy and your love and your forgiveness, Lord, in ways that we need. Holy Spirit, come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. You can connect with us on Facebook at Brockport First Baptist, on Twitter at BrockportFB, and on our website, BrockportFirstBaptist.org. Our theme music was composed by Scott Holmes. This has been a production of Brockport First Baptist.